Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. And the vision is to engage dads in raising a godly generation and reinvigorate the church on the fathering front. Uh, this podcast series is built around a, a study called A Dad's Armor. And uh, it's a battle out there for dads, and uh, every dad needs to be suited up with a full, full suit of armor on. And uh, this is the first of the, of the uh, series of four podcasts uh, discussing how dads indeed need to be suited up for the battles we face. We'll address the three key battlefronts, the dad's heritage, his heart, and his home over the podcast. And then uh, the fourth final podcast, will be pulling a battle plan together as uh, we encourage dads to continue to, to step onto that battlefront. It's a very practical discussion, and I pray that it blesses you on your journey as a faithful father. Uh, in the studio with us today is uh, the, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mike Rosas. Mike, it's great to have you with us, and uh, love to have the opportunity to dialogue with you on our uh, favorite subjects, our Heavenly Father, and the opportunity to, to be a father in our children's lives. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Rick. It's an honor to be, you know, just connected with Faithful Father and all the incredible work you are doing. Uh, you know, I have become a better father. My wife has talked about it since I've been connected to the ministry, and so just honored to be a part of the podcast, and specifically this set of podcasts. Uh, this is I, I have read, have read the book A Dad's Armor, and so just excited about these fronts because I think these are the pivotal fronts on where we win or lose the battle. Amen. Well, I I love it when moms like the fact that dads are engaged here, and uh, yes. uh, that always uh, is an extra uh, add a boy for us in ministry to hear that the wives appreciate. I think every every woman wants a spiritual leader yes. in her home, and uh, certainly over their children. Right. So, and I know you're you're a God guy, and uh, you're a fabulous leader on both those fronts. So, uh, it's a blessing to have you here. And yeah, this is one of my favorite studies that uh, we have the opportunity to to uh, help dads prepare. Uh, and, and one of the things that always, uh, I think, I know I struggled with it for years was, you know, what is my heritage? Mm -hmm. what, uh, what heritage do I uh, build on as a father? And, uh, you know, they always uh, tell you, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, <laughs> you're a chip off the old block, you know. And, and that's fine if your dad was an athlete or your dad was a successful businessman or mm -hmm. Uh, but what if your dad's a, an alcoholic or your yeah. dad's a womanizer? Mm -hmm. You know, you say, well, you know, what's what am I strapped with here? Right. And uh, so that's that's kind of what the uh, the first uh, discussion here is all about: is what kind of heritage uh, you you grew up under. I know you have great relationship with your dad, but how would you define or uh, what what influence and and what heritage did you pick up from your dad? You know, it's um, it's funny because if not educated, then you don't know what to look for. You know, you can tell your average person, you know, what's the heritage you were built off of, and if they don't if they don't know what heritage is, then obviously they're going to be living off of that. You know, for myself, uh, my parents moved here from Columbia, South America, right before I was born, and they wanted to create a better, you know, a, a better life for us. But it wasn't just um, you know a better opportunity to get money 
It was an opportunity to live a better life. My grandfather was a womanizer and alcoholic. My father, before he met Christ, was going down that same route. And so for my mom, it was critical that my dad have the opportunity to be the man she knew who he was and who her kids would become based off that heritage. And so when we came here, my dad did a complete 180, you know, plugged into the church. He was faithful to be there at every service. Mm -hmm. Uh, My most vivid memories of my father are, yes, he worked from sunup to sundown. But before he went to work every morning, I would wake up going to school where still darkness outside. He would be on his knees with the Bible propped up on the side of his bed. Mm. And I'd go to bed every night. He would be on his knees with the Bible propped up on the side of his bed. Mm. And so I make sure when my kids, before they go to sleep, when they wake up, if they see Daddy, it's sitting on the couch with the scriptures open on his lap or sitting at the table reading, drinking some coffee, reading the Bible. I want to I want to build off that heritage so that my children, you know, they're seeing a lot of mistakes. So I have to be very intentional for them to see <laughs> the, the strengths of the heritage. And so I'm very intentional. Me and my wife have had long conversations of what it looks like like to build out that role as a father and as a mother and for us to build off the heritage of what our parents before us paid the price for. Yeah, that uh, kids do catch what we've got. And, yes. Uh, that, uh, sometimes we, I always told my son I didn't want him to catch my bad qualities. He could just catch my good qualities. But what are, uh, uh, there's some highlights and lowlights, of course, in growing up. What were uh, just a highlight is catching your dad reading scripture. What else, was there another uh, issue or two or opportunity that you had to really say, man, my dad, that's something I really want to, I want to emulate. You know, one of the main things was, was my dad would make us at every Tuesday and Thursday, twice a week. We would go to church every time the doors open. Uh, but on Tuesday and Thursday, we would have service at the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would crack open the Bible, and he would have each son, there's four boys, he would have each of us sing a fast song and then sing a slow song. None of us are singers. <laughs> um, but he wanted to teach us the value and the importance of the presence of God and to understand it was more than a building, but it was a relationship, and we were the church. And so in that same way, um, we travel a lot more than my parents did, but we try to be very intentional to create spaces on a weekly basis where my kids understand it's not just a pastor or a man who's behind a pulpit on a stage, but they understand that God has a relationship with me here at home. We don't just read the Bible at church. We read the Bible at home. And so we create those community spaces, and God moves. We feel his presence. Uh, we teach God's truth and principles. I started them out going through the Ten Commandments. Uh, we've gone through the, the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's building upon these these um, real principles and pillars that their lives, when I'm gone, will continue to be lived off of. Fantastic. What a blessing to have that heritage. Yes. Yeah, that, and I, you know, what you what you just validated, you know, uh, Barna years ago, a study revealed that of uh, 10 families that attend church every week, hmm. less than one in 10 actually have any spiritual discussion between Sundays. Wow. So, you know, that uh, that goes back to, you know, what are you really teaching at home? Right. Are you teaching a secular worldview or are you uh, laying the foundation for a biblical worldview? Right. And, and, uh, and that, it's not just remembering a message. If you ask your average person on Sunday afternoon, what did the pastor preach about? They'll be like, um. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you go back and you actually build off principles, and that creates a worldview. The worldview creates a comfort zone in the mind where when a situation situation comes to us and we have to choose A or B, one or two, we are going to lean towards the worldview that is most instituted in our home. And for us, we want to make sure that's the kingdom of God worldview. Yeah. 
And, and what you said earlier about, uh, you know, what uh, people don't know what their heritage is mm-hmm. or maybe they had a heritage they aren't really sure they want to carry forward. A lot of guys don't have an idea how to even calibrate that. So in yeah. one of the things we do in this study is provide that calibration. And I'll just lay out five questions real quick. And uh, those are listening, you might lay, write down a number here. A number one is uh, not at all. And a number five is that uh, dad was very uh, engaged in these respective activities. So the first question is, how, how did your dad encourage you uh, in your interests and activities on a scale of one to five, what that might be? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, how did your dad affirm you in growth and accomplishments? Uh, how did your dad convey his commitment to your mom in marriage? And how did your dad build on his relationship with his father? And how did he reflect that relationship with Jesus the Christ in the home, church, and community? You know, and it's a good barometer. <laughs> that's and and I always make it very clear. You know, these are not uh, father bashing questions. Right. You know, you're, uh, one thing we know is that our dad did, your, your dad and my dad dad did the best they could do with the cards they were dealt. They right. were, and uh, we cannot be in their shoes. We uh, unfortunately, myself as a teenager, I I uh, judge my dad, mm-hmm. and and uh, that cost us about fifteen years of relationship wow. as a result. And uh, and then the heritage I had, I didn't want anything to do with right Mm. Uh, so but until a a man actually uh, evaluates his heritage so uh, uh, if if you put a a, a one to a five on any of those five questions on all those five questions you add them up and what I can tell you is if if uh, you scored a 23 or higher, you had a fabulous, and it sounds like that's probably what your dad would have rated you. Yeah. You'd, have, you'd have been up there and said, man, this, this, I just need to do my best to emulate this, yeah. right? And, uh, but if you scored 18 to 22, then uh, there's probably some things you want to stay away from. There might have been uh, 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 some anger issues or some uh, situations going on in the home mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is still a good example, but uh, maybe there's some things you don't want to emulate, right? Yeah. But then if you scored, uh, you know, uh, 16 to uh, 11 or 12, 12 to 16, then all of a sudden you're starting to get into uh, a, a wounded heart situation. There mm-hmm. may have been uh, uh, some alcoholism. There might have been divorce in the situation. Uh, these are uh, situations that uh, you have some good, bad, and ugly uh, situations in there. You want to keep the good. You want to uh, improve on the bad or discard it and certainly discard the ugly. Right. But then if, uh, if you're like me and actually scored 11 or less, then that's, uh, that's absolutely a damaged heart, meaning that there's abuse, there are other things like that, and you, you have to uh, uh, look to the Heavenly Father to fill those gaps. Yeah. And uh, certainly he's more than capable, capable of filling those gaps. But, you know, it, it's, there's no difference really in uh, whether you were given a fabulous example. It's just as hard to live into that yeah. as it is to overcome, isn't it? Yes. You know, I, I love the fact that you put a number to that because it would be so easy for somebody to say oh they, you know if you just had posed the questions without any way to answer oh my dad was okay at that or he was good at that well in reality it becomes this ethereal thing that maybe it was good or maybe it was bad but when you put an actual number to it it makes it physical and i think that gives you the potential to change it i was at a church one time and i was just sitting at the back door and uh the worship pastor comes in and they had had some type of health class the night before and they left a scale in the middle of the room and so the worship pastor sees it and steps on it and then sees that you know the number was higher than he thought and so he looks at him so he's like man i gotta cut down on those cheeseburgers and dr peppers 
And so he gets off. And then after that, a few minutes later, a lady comes and she jumps on. She's like, man, I, I got to get off the sweets. Now, it was no surprise to them that they had been eating cheeseburgers, Dr. Peppers, and sweets. But when they had a, a number, at that point, they could not lie to themselves anymore. They could not say, oh, I'm doing okay. Oh, it's just a little here. Or it's a little there. It was a physical thing that caused them to bring change, I hope, right, in their diets. And so I love this because you put yourself in the place where again, it's not you know a complete. This isn't this whole psychological uh, understanding of what you went through, but it's a barometer. And if there's a number and you see that it's not as high as it should be, or you want it to be, or it's lower than it should be, well, now you have a place where you can walk out the change. And too many of us, you know, I'll be honest, we live we live evolutionary lives. Mm-hmm. We live and we try to make sense of what happened in the past, rather than living a life of intelligent design where there's intentionality and God breathe direction that we follow out and I think for men to be healthy and to lead healthy families we have to take this test specifically to understand the barometer and then to be able to work around it it doesn't mean you're gonna get a good grade but it does mean there's a way that you can find healing exactly well said and I, I, I wonder about that pastor though was he preaching or is he meddling I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point <laughs> but I I, uh, I think the the challenge and, and the idea is to absolutely quantify where you're at and mm-hmm. the other reminder is for uh, dads to that fifth commandment is to honor your yes. father and your mother and that means that uh, we don't get to judge them we don't get <laughs> to uh, uh, suggest that they were bad at yeah. what they did. They did the best they could do. Yeah. Our challenge is to take what they've offered and make it better for the right. next generation, right? And that means calibrating to our Heavenly Father to make those adjustments. You know, we can only blame our situation for so long. We can overcome it for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but it's not until we submit to the Heavenly Father and understand that He's always there to mm-hmm. uh, to affirm and encourage us. So uh, I'd like to hear uh, a little bit about how your father affirmed you. I mean, as much as he uh, grounded you in the in the word, did, uh, how how did he affirm you on, along the way? Affirm and encourage you to become you know the the God man you are. You know, my dad was uh, he was affectionate, and so that helped a lot. He would hug me, he would kiss me on the forehead, and those type of things gave me it gave me the boundaries to know what was safe and what was out, what was good and what was bad. It let mm-hmm. me know that affection wasn't necessarily negative. It let me know that crying wasn't necessarily a bad thing. If it communicated emotions and it brought change. Mm-hmm. And so for my dad, he, um, you know, we were a sports family. And so it was my dad working literally 12 hour days. And if he got off early, it was to support us at a sport outing, or he would take us, wake us up Sunday morning at 6am in the morning, take us to the park to go play basketball. And then we would hurry up, go home, take a shower and get ready for church. Mm-hmm. My dad communicated to us the importance of God being central and first in life. Mm. And then he also showed us that you can maximize life by bringing in sports and bringing in those other things. And sometimes because we work hard, um, you know, you have to kind of bend the rules a little bit. And I I don't mean morality. What I mean is like what your regular schedule is, because the majority of people will wake up in time to go to church. And uh, and my dad was like, hey, let's wake up at six in the morning, go play ball. We would go out and, you know, it's four boys and my dad, we had the time of our lives playing basketball. (laughs) And so I had these great memories where my dad challenged my my context of what I had seen life to be like before, even as a young child, because everybody else was just going to church. My dad was like, hey, let's, if it doesn't affect our relationship with God, then we can do more than what we would consider average. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was the affirmation that these desires that I had inside of me, not necessarily for greatness, but to accomplish and to max out my potential, it was God-given. 
It wasn't just, oh, no, you know, just go get a secure education and a job. No, he said, you know, identify what your purpose, your giftings are, and do what God tells you to, and you'll max out your destiny. Well said. Uh, that's one of the biggest challenges as a dad, isn't it, is helping our children understand their giftedness. Yes. And unless you let them engage in those various things and push them, mm-hmm. uh, you never learn to take responsibility for the gifts that you have been given. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, one of the things my dad communicated to us is um, he was he was okay with failure. He was okay with failure because we were trying. Now, he would challenge us to work and to give our best. But if we failed, he understood that was part of the process, not the end of it. And so he would challenge us to work artists. He said, as long as you've... As long as you can sign your name to it and say you did the best you could, he said, I'm proud of you. Absolutely. Uh, because he wouldn't take those efforts that were half or not, you know, 100%. He said, if you're going to sign your name to something, you be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that now as a 38-year-old to play that out on a 24-hour basis. Mm. I think it was the old story where the uh, young lady went to her coach. She wanted to play college uh, soccer. And he says, well, hurry up, get out there on that field and start failing. It's going to take about <laughs> 10,000 failures to get to that kind of level. You know? But but that's true. <laughs> it and, absolutely and, and, true. and it's also the danger of giving everybody a blue ribbon because not everybody deserves a blue ribbon. That's a, a participation trophies. That's what I loved about baseball. There was no covering up. Yeah. You made an error. <laughs> yes. You struck out. By God, it was out there in the open. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes. uh, one question for you. Uh, did your dad bless you? Uh, as a young man, did he ever? Did you ever receive your father's blessing? You know, um, you know, I'm trying to remember if my dad ever used the words, but I know on a very consistent basis, he would tell us he loved us, he would tell us he was proud of us, and he would tell us he believed in us. Mm-hmm. And you know, to me, that's kind of the equivalent Absolutely. of the blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, uh, as I was growing up and I was a beginner in Christ, so was he. So we were kind of figuring this whole thing out together, um, but. It helped him out so much that he had a strong community of men around him that were also following after God, but worked at the same construction jobs he did, or they mm-hmm. worked in the same sphere that he did. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, being in that community is so important because my dad was a baby Christian when I was a baby Christian. Right. And so um, so he loved on me, he affirmed me, and he supported me. And to me, that was the, the blessing lived out. Absolutely. That's a real-time blessing. Yes. <laughs> but I, I always like to encourage dads because, you know, when I'll speak to a group of, say, there are 100 dads in the audience, uh, I'll ask them to raise hands how many have been blessed. And it's usually mm-hmm. about five. Yeah. And uh, one yeah, of the I've been one of your events. I saw it. One of, we, uh, uh, one of the, the things we try to incorporate in everything we do, every retreat we do, every hiking trip we do, is we give dads an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give dads out there uh, listening now that uh, to understand that uh, in, in Romans 8.15, we're told that we have the, we're not uh, slaves anymore to fear, but mm-hmm. we got, we're, uh, we got the spirit of sonship. Yeah. We, are, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus Christ, children of God. And uh, that through that sonship, we can claim the blessing of our Heavenly Father over His Son. You know, when Jesus came up out of the water, yeah. you heard the voice that uh, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. That's and, so powerful. And then uh, that's Matthew, late Matthew, and then uh, I think it's in 17, uh, the transfiguration, Matthew 17, mm-hmm. you, uh, he says it again. He says, you know, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Yeah. You know, so that empowered his son for those last days of ministry to uh, just have the strength to endure yeah. what he had to endure. And I, I just want every uh, man out there to claim that blessing and go into uh, Matthew 3 and 17 and, and then read uh, cha- Romans chapter 8 and, and embrace fully uh, what it means to uh, step into this sonship yeah. uh, in the, uh, as, a, as a child of God. 
and uh, and then when you have the opportunity with your son, uh, share that and, and uh, at a, at an age appropriate time. I think there are, there are markers along our journey mm-hmm. with our children that we have an opportunity to bless our sons and our daughters. You know, yeah. Every son wants to know that he's he's he belongs, that he's your son whom you love. But he also wants to know he has what it takes to be a man. Yeah. So uh, as he matures, you can have markers to uh, make that happen. You know, That's maybe so powerful. Through middle school, it might be after high school, it might be on a uh, backpacking trip as, he, as a teenager. Uh, it may be at his marriage where you yeah. bless the couple at the end of the day. Uh, and then same with the daughter. Every daughter wants to hear that she's loved and, uh, and well, with whom you're well pleased. But she wants to know that she's beautiful and worth fighting for. Yes. And, and that's what we uh, have to pass on. So that's but one it, of the... It's ahead. powerful. You know, I, I was reminded literally, I don't even know if I've shared this with you. I, I took that after one of your events that I'd visited and I did chapel for the Rockets. They were playing. I can't remember what team they were playing. And um, th- that so marked me at the event that I took and I told the guy, I said, look, I'm not your father. I'm not trying to take, fill that space. I said, but <clears throat> the father accepts you and he blesses you. So I had the guys bow their heads and I said that same prayer over them. And it was such a holy moment. When I finished the prayer, the guys just stood up, didn't say a word, came, shook my hand, hugged me and, and said they were so appreciative for that. Because I don't know the percentage that night, but I know overall it's over 50% of, uh, of NBA players that don't have a father present in the family. And so, so you think about these things and you think about the impact and I think what dads we have to remember is that these things are powerful outside of the church. You don't have to be with a pastor in the pulpit for this to resonate. This is this is powerful in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And so using that not only for our kids, but maybe there's kids in the neighborhood who don't have parents, and you know, and with their with their mother's blessing, you come and fill that space and bless them. I mean, that could it could change the world indeed indeed and that's one reminder to to all of us out there i mean my challenge is i grew up pretty quick (laughs) and and, uh, i don't know that i ever was a son Mm. you know and and, but before you can be a father you have to be a son yeah and unless you step into that sonship that we have an opportunity to step into with our through our lord and savior that reconnects us with his father and our father uh, then uh, we don't we may, may miss that out so miss out on that and so I encourage dads again that uh, just one more thing before we wrap up this this podcast is that uh, this reconciliation idea mm-hmm. that uh, whether you knew your dad or didn't uh, just get some feelings out uh, you know some uh, uh, thoughts that you have about the your home being raised and and write them down in a letter if you don't know your dad write them down in a letter if you do know your dad go meet with him face to face hey dad let's go have a cup of coffee or have a lunch and he usually will ask well, well you need son <laughs> you know that type of thing <laughs> true story but uh, uh, but the uh, the key is to have uh, reflect on some of those feelings mm-hmm. that you have a, as a son you know and and uh, have an honest uh, expression of those feelings as well as uh, uh, a confession if, if there's a need like uh, you know my uh, I've shared my story on previous podcasts but you know to uh, to have that opportunity to tell dad he said you know I had to tell him that I, I asked forgiveness because I judged you I had no right to judge you I wasn't trying to fly off of a, an aircraft carrier at age 23 in World War II uh, in a Hellcat I have no right to judge you will you forgive me for for judging you mm-hmm. and then there's a forgiveness and there's a confession and, and we are able to get on yeah. now whether 
if he asks forgiveness for the, his side of the deal, is beside the point. Right. And it doesn't do me any good to forgive him for something that he doesn't ask forgiveness for. Yeah. <laughs> so that just exacerbates the situation. But I, I just want to make sure that we encourage young men to seek that reconciliation, yeah. even if it's simply a letter to a dad you never knew. Uh, or uh, uh, posthumously to uh, drop a letter uh, at the tombstone and uh, just to uh, give give yourself a chance to uh, process some of those uh, feelings and emotions that are uh, part of that damaged heart we talked about and uh, and then uh, commit to a new level of relationship. And you'll be surprised that it also empowers you to enter into a new level of relationship with your kids and with other brothers uh, on the journey. No. So uh, powerful stuff. No, and, you, know, um, you know, I think there's so much trauma that men carry with them. They may not always deal with it, but they do carry it with them. And if not dealt with, specifically that father-son, um, it, it, could, it hampers a large part of their lives. And we have to understand, I love what you said about son. Uh, when the father wanted to reveal himself, he sent his son. Mm-hmm. And, and so you think about the, the interconnection of that, and you'll never get past that relationship of father-son. It is so rich, and it brings healing, even when we don't necessarily agree on all the same points. We can still have healing and wholeness through love and honor. Mm-hmm. But thank God for daughters, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I have two of the greatest in the world. Well, just to wrap up, I uh, thank you, Mike, for being here. Blessing to have the time with you. And I do want to direct folks to uh, Faithful Fathering, all spelled out, faithfulfathering.org, and uh, hit the Four Dads button. Mm-hmm. And that uh, you can scroll down and actually access this study, A Dad's Armor. Uh, you can download PDF and uh, and actually click on video teaching of this session and uh, be able to look at those questions we used as calibration earlier and uh, go through this together. Yeah, but, uh, incredible. Uh, just appreciate y'all being here. We'll talk to you next time. And in the meantime, God bless, Godspeed. <laughs>